So, we're discussing Srimad Bhagavatam, first canon of chapter 3. main subject of the chapter is the avatar tattva and the fact that Krishna is the source of all the uh, incarnations, indeed all manifestations of the Godhead. And to review briefly the main points of yesterday's class, we... Uh, heard that there are those yogis who conceive of the Lord in an imaginary way in terms of the external universe, sometimes called the Virata Rupa, the universal form of the Lord. They attribute mountains as his bones, the trees as his hairs, and it's a way of thinking of Bhagavan in terms of the gross material world. And some apparently do it on a subtle level uh, as well and think in terms of the subtle body and subtle matter, a universal kind of conception of the self. And the uh, Sutta Goswami wants to tell the sages and all of us that these are not eternal forms. They're um, mentally conceived forms, may be useful to some extent, but typically they are not the forms that the devotees meditate on. Those were brought up largely for the purpose of contrasting them with the eternal nature of Krishna's form. Ishvara Parama Krishna Satchirananda Vigraha. There are many, many statements like this as to the eternality of Krishna's form. Here and there, there may be a statement that the Lord has no form or he's, you know, uh, near guna, but this means that he's beyond the material gunas and he has no form like a material form. It's entirely different. It's Satchirananda Vigraha, a form, Vigraha of Satchirananda of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. <clears throat> the universal form we mentioned was also shown in a way to, in, in the Gita, in 11th chapter, and in Arjuna, the devotee was not interested in that. So again, this is not the interest of the devotees. They're interested in the eternal forms of the Lord. And very expertly here, Sutta Goswami, in the context of contrasting the imaginary material forms of the Lord conceived by the yogis with the eternal form of the Lord. He's talked about subtle and gross forms and then segued into the fact that we, as jivas, as conditioned souls, atmas, have a subtle and a gross covering. Hmm? So just as we are not the gross material body and we are not the subtle material body, the Lord's body and form and ultimate reality is not constituted of, a, of either gross or subtle matter. And then, of course, wonderfully, he, he brings out the point that if then the jiva wants to know that eternal reality, eternal form of the Lord, and understand all these avatars, hmm, he or she, the atma, has to come out from underneath the subtle covering of material nature and the gross covering of material nature. This is, of course, what sadhana is about, spiritual practice, in the very kind of rudimentary sense. Hmm? Prabhupada just emphasized, you're not the body. So we may have to deal with the body, we have to deal with the mind in a thoughtful way, work with them, as I like to say, to transcend them. Hmm? But it should be clear that that's the goal. We're different than the body. We're different than the mind. Hmm? And so... He says a wonderful thing here. Hmm? 
in this context. After all, the description of these different avatars, and you'll find them later on in the Bhagavatam as well, are a bit fantastic from, you know, re- relative to our experience. Fantastic stories about the powers and glories of the Lord and, and, um, and so on. It's a land that we like to say in which the word impossible doesn't exist. And what has been said here in the Bhagavatam is that in order to go to that world, one has to do the impossible also. What would appear impossible? So there's a verse we, we, second before, um, the verse we rested with last time. I want to repeat it here. Uh, Sutta Goswami says that, Beyond the gross, excuse me, um, yes, yada esho parata devi maya bhaisharadimati sampanna ebeti vidur mahimni sve mahiyate. says, if the illusory energy, the devi maya, devi maya, My, uh, under the influence of the Devi of Goddess Durga. That Durga means Durga. Difficult Durga to go from. So to get out, sometimes it's compared to like a prison. Difficult to get out of material existence. We're imprisoned by our mind. We're imprisoned by our physical sense of self. We're oppressed by the senses. We're oppressed by the mind's demands. And we're moving according to them due to our identification with them. And to come out of that is to go in a very different direction. They're leading us towards sense objects, identification with the external world. We have to move away from that, from an enjoying ego to a serving ego. And it's it's not easy to do, to come out from underneath Devi Maya. Hmm? But those that do, this is a wonderful thing that's said here, the illusory energy, energy subsides and the living entity becomes fully enriched with knowledge by the grace of the Lord. This is a bhakti orientation, of course, that he's talking about in terms of sadhana. Hmm? He turns away from material energy, he turns towards the Lord, the Lord fills him with grace, and he gets the power then to do what would otherwise be impossible. Hmm? Then he becomes at once enlightened with self-realization, and thus he becomes, as Prabhupada puts it, situated in his own glory. Another way to understand this is he himself becomes glorious. He becomes, or she, that person, worthy of worship. The object of worship here being described is the avatars, Bhagwan, and extraordinary things are said about them. So here it said, if you come out from underneath the covering of material nature, you become worshipable. In other words, you become godlike. And as you become godlike, and to the extent that you do, you have the capacity to understand the nature of God the world of God, the land of all uh, possibilities. So what do we mean by, uh, you know, that it's, the, that it, we want to say here, to do the, you have to do the impossible to understand what appears impossible and transcend the idea that, you know, certain things may not be possible. We, if we look at the task of self-realization, of just the basic 101, if you will, of un- distancing ourselves from matter, turning away from matter, 
transcending it. This is the basic idea of self-realization. Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as we know, excels beyond that into you know the whatever 108 or you know, of of consciousness. This is like 101. There's a difference between the body and and um, and, and and the mind and the self. But that task in itself, to come out from underneath that, is really to do the impossible. Doing the impossible, by the grace of the Lord, you become Lord-like, God-like. You become worshipable by others, as the avatars are. You are a member of that world where the limitations that material nature appears to impose upon us that causes us to think in terms of a finite conception limited sense of reality, so only so many things are possible, we're disappointed and so forth, that is all transcended. So I want to read uh, at a little change of you know pace here <laughs> from our typical class. I want to read a poem to you that um, I cited a verse from uh, the other day on my Facebook page. I love this poem. It's a poem written by uh, Rudyard uh, Kipling. English poet, times gone by, and I think it really, kind of, in a in a in a in a, in a poetic, nutshell way, uh, brings out this point of the extent to which the task of self-realization in and of itself, the basic, um, you know, kind of first step, if you will, in God realization, to become godlike rather than matter-like. It's like doing the impossible. We're, it's like mission and impossible. Hmm? So and let me read it to you, and, and you see that how well you are doing. You know, in this regard, <laughs> he 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 says, hmm? if uh, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired of waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves and made a trap for fools or watched the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it in one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone, and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk 
with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son, <laughs> or a woman, <laughs> my daughter. <laughs> so you can see this is this is a big task. If a person, this is not something to believe in. In other words. We're not staying here, and this is this is really the Bhagavad Gita, the, the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, the basic philosophy of Bhagavad Gita, equanimity, the basic um, uh, central, I should say, idea of yoga, hmm? perfect balance. Hmm? Um, to ar- ar- arrive at this, this is not a question of believing. If we hold this up and say, if everyone was like this, if is the name of this poem, if everyone was like this. There'd be no ifs, there'd be no questions. Hmm? The world would be a better place. Hmm? It would be a perfect place. Hmm? And there's no if that we should be like this. Hmm? But there's the big if, how, 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 <laughs> if I could be like this, hmm? how, how high of a mark that is. This is the entry point into what we call Krishna consciousness. This is how we have to become God-like, if you will, to understand all these avatars, all the fantastic things that are said about them, hmm? to enter into that world of all possibilities and so forth. Hmm? We're reminded here of Rupa Goswami's opening statement in Upadeshamrita. What does he say there? Hmm? He gives a gradation in the teaching there. It begins at Krishna Consciousness 101, like we're talking about here, and where does it end? It ends at Radhakund. Hmm? Living in Radhakund in the Leela. So to end up in Radhakund in the Leela or anywhere in the Leela, it has to start back here. This is what the Bhagavatam is saying to us. What does it say there in that first verse of Upadeshamrita? Vacho Vegam, Manasa Kroda Vegam, Jibha Vegam, Udurapasta Vegam, Etan Vegam, Yo Visahita Sasishat. the urge to talk. Right? We heard the other day that uh that our our um Prita had t- uh, taken a vow of silence for a day. And we heard that Manu Mongol said, Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> If he cannot flap at the mouth, then you know he's going to be too much in anxiety. That hmm? there, <laughs> so to exercise that kind of control, it's not an easy thing. There was a there was a fellow, a yogi, and he has a a famous uh, in alternative um, culture center in um, Santa Cruz area. His name is I think Hari, Baba Haridas. And uh, he uh, took a monavrata, a vow of silence. I don't know if he still does it, but he kept silence and he used to communicate writing on a board, of a chalkboard. Hmm? Of course, one can wonder, well, if you're going to be silent, you know, why 
If you're going to be on a chalkboard, why don't you talk? It's a lot easier. But there's, there's a power, of course, in being silent hmm? and controlling the urge to talk. Well, a couple of my gobblers went there. This was years and years ago. They met him, and they said to him, they said to him, well, um, you know, it's, it's nice that you don't talk, but it's better to only talk about Krishna. So they were a little proud, and they had asserted themselves in this way, as if to say, you know, just see, you're the big yogi here, and um, you're not speaking. Okay, you're taking a vow of silence, mona vrata, vacho vegam, speech, controlling the vega, the urge of speech, you've got that under control. But it's better than doing that to speak about Krishna. Gotcha. You see, this is how they what they what they did. And you know what he wrote on the board? He said, Is that what you do? <laughs> Only speak about Krishna? And they were defeated because they knew. No, we don't. We flap about all kind of things. What do we call that? What does Rupa, Gos- Rupa Goswami call that? Later in his Supadeshamrita, Prajalpo. Prajalpo. Just idle talk. Idle talk. Idle talk is compared to the frog that likes to croak in the night and he thinks, just here is how we humanize it or anthropomorphize it, I guess. Uh, uh, How the frog likes to hear himself sing. We think he doesn't sound very good, but boy, he thinks he's got such a great voice. Croning at the moon, right? And what happens? The snake knows where he is and comes and devours him. So just flapping at the tongue, tongue. Tongue has two purposes. To vibrate means vacho vega and jiva. Jiva means tongue. It means to taste also. That's another urge on the vega. So here we have the tongue right here. Above it we have the head, right? Below it, we have the reproductive organs. Hmm? So, say if you want to control the reproductive organs, then you got to you control your tasting and your uh, and and speaking. That will make the mind peaceful and uh, turn in on itself or on the self, so to speak. Because what you talk about, that's what you think about. So when you stop talking for a day or two, then see what you think about, how your thoughts change, where you, you, you start to go. You have to obviously become more philosophical. Hmm? You have to think more deeply, become more introspective and so forth. Hmm? So to control the tongue, both in terms of vibrating, talking, and in terms of eating, tasting it means. The tongue is voracious. We say it every day, right? Like, just vibrate it out. We don't know the meaning. We forgot about it. It's just... Sharira, Vijajal, where's the prashadam? Let's eat, you know. Uh, this is, uh, I sat with uh, Satsrup Das Goswami when I visited, um, when I was hosted in New York. The person who hosted me in upstate New York is a disciple of Satsrup Maharaj and he had built, bought a house for Satsrup Maharaj across the street. So the Maharaj invited me for lunch. Hmm? Maharaj is uh, about 10 years older than me and he's, He's a little bit, um, well, he's infirmed, and so he, he, he doesn't, he's not very active, but he's a writer. Anyway, we sat for the lunch. His disciple cooked a nice lunch, and then before the lunch, Maharaj said that, um, 
This body is a lump of ignorance, and all of the senses are networks of paths to death. This is the, of course, you don't know it. This is the translation of the song that we sing every day, Sharira Avidya, Sharira. This body, consisting of senses, you know, is, is, a, is a pathway of, of the, to ignorance. The senses are taking me out into the world, connecting me with the sense objects, and I'm losing the sense that, I, that I'm the self within. I'm identifying with the world outside. And so on it goes. So he, he, you know, here is a man, a uh, sannyasi, and, and, and with disciples and so forth, and he's probably, he's probably a, 10 years old than me, say, say, early 70s, and he's reading out the prayer like, like a new bhakta hmm? and thinking about the meaning of it. And I was very impressed with that. I thought, just see. Hmm? And we rattle through the prayers if, you know, let's get on with the eating here kind of thing. It's honoring, really, prasadam, hmm? that the Lord has the remnants of the Lord and so forth. So you know, it's easy for us to get a head full of theology and so forth and philosophy and lose sight on the focus on the everyday side of the down-to-earth things that are actually going to give us the power to do the impossible. Rupa Goswami says, Bhatru Begum, Manasa Krodha Begum, so controlling the urge to speak, Manasa, the, uh, the the urges of the mind, like anger, manasa krodha vegam, vegam, the krodha, you know, that's a urge, anger. Manasa krodha vegam, jibha vegam, tasting, udara pasta vegam, hmm? uh, the belly and the, and the uh, creative uh, organs. Hmm? So these are the six urges. He says, controlling these six urges, what? Etan vegam yogisaheta dira, one becomes sober and What's the translation? We'll ask Mr. Kipling. Here it is again. Hmm? Hmm. If you can do all these things, then yours is the earth and everything that's in it. Hmm? It means the whole world becomes your shisha. The pritivim. Pritivim means the earth. It means you become the master of the earth. Everyone becomes your shisha. Shisha means disciple. Everyone becomes your student. You have graduated. You, as this verse in Bhagavatam says, you become worshipful, worshipable, just like the avatars, because you become godlike, and you have done, just here in the basic sense then, of what self-realization is about, the impossible. And you now, you, you think about this poem, and you think how hard that is. It's not something that you can really do in the full sense of the term, by any kind of mental adjustment. By thinking about it and thinking, that's good, I should try to be like that. We should do that, and we should try to be like that. But it's impossible to be like that in the fullest sense of the term that the Gita implores us you know, to, to, to do simply by a mental or intellectual adjustment or some um, ordinary effort. There is an effort of sadhana, and, and ultimately beyond that, we feel the sadhana of bhakti, which invokes grace, makes it possible. We invite the, the, the impossible, Mr. Impossible, if you will, Krishna himself, into our lives in the form of his name. And we have, been a, we have the, as a result, of that the power to do this. And this way, 
It's a very nice verse here because he's saying in this way, this is how you can understand this chapter, what's being said here. Or any subsequent discussion of the avatars and their wonderful, you know, Varaha's lifting the earth with his tusk from the Plutonic regions. And you know, how do you understand all this? You can think about it. You can try to talk about it in a metaphoric, poetic way. Or you can say, well, it's just real and, you know, I don't think it is because I'm conditioned. And, and Or you can do all kinds. Go there and find out. This is more, you know, Prabhupada's kind of an explanation. He, but he, when he would be asked particular questions about the spiritual world, he said, I don't know, why don't you go there and find out? <laughs> it's beyond thought. It's beyond words. We talk about it enough. We think about it enough to stop thinking about it and stop talking about it and doing it, putting it into practice. So we should see in our daily life that whatever we're doing, we think, how that will help me? Will that help me to chant? Will that help me to to concentrate in my sadhana? We should measure on a daily basis and see what we go to bed at night, you know, how is my day? How will my job will be in the morning and so forth? And it's possible, you know, by such real attentive and sincere, heartfelt uh, and consistent spiritual practice, which we get strength to do in the company of others. Hmm? And in, in, a, in an environment like this that's so conducive for that, hmm? that uh, we should see how, how, how close we're coming to this. This is really, I mean, this is, again, this is not something that I have faith believe in. This is about the real nature of being. What the human being, the soul, the atma in human dress can become. This is superhuman. This is the, this is the what was he called by Nietzsche? The, the super, the ubermatch. This is the ubermatch right here. <laughs> the super person. Hmm? This, is, this is the avatar because really this is possible only if Krishna descends within you and gives you the power. Hmm? So, nam, therefore, it said, Kali Yuga Nam Rupa, nam rupa Krishna Avatar. Krishna Avatars in Kali Yuga, in the form of his name. Hmm? And if we attentively chant and so forth and, and um, apply ourselves practically, then it's possible to become this Ubermensch. Ubermensch, this super person. Hmm? <laughs> and the whole world, Pradivim Sasyashat, he says, the whole world will become yours along with everything that's in it. Hmm? Um, it's not a law that someone's a guru. It's what's perceived. People see he's risen. He's this kind of a person. She's that kind of a person. They're equally balanced in all situations. And, uh, and that's just the beginning. These are the kind of symptoms that you can see. Hmm? He's talking about, to some extent, your visible symptoms in a person. He can walk amongst the crowd, the common people, who are not always virtuous and not lose his virtue. Hmm? And then at the same time, he can walk among the kings and not lose the common touch. Hmm? So this poem should be studied. It's, it's very nice. It gives us, it, it's, it's really kind of like, let's say, self-realization 101 in a, in a nutshell. Again, not something to have faith in, something to say, yes, I believe. It's, it's not a question of believing people should be like this. We could we could be, or if we could be, that would be the perfect life. And this is what Bhagavad Gita is saying. You can be. And what what possibilities lie in that then? This opens the door. 
to the land where, as I say, in the lexicon and the dictionary, the word impossible isn't found. All the wonderful possibilities of Krishna Leela. Hmm? So it's very nice the way Suda Goswami has, has, has done this. It's quite uh, masterful hmm, to, to speak about the avatars and the context of that, bring out that Krishna is the source of all avatars, the difference between Bhagavan and the Paramatma, hmm, and so forth. And then to come in the end, right down to us, and, and distinguish the eternal forms of the Lord from the subtle and gross imagined forms of the yogis, distinguish our path from theirs, one of meditating on the eternal form of the Lord, and inviting him in our sadhana into our lives that we become like him, godlike, hmm? worshipable by others. And of course, it's not our goal to be worshipable by others, but those who are wor- really truly worshipable by others are so for good reason because they are they are they embody worship themselves they embody uh, uh, love love here is spoken about in, in Kipling's poem in a kind of an objective sense what what is not love hmm? the bias you, you know to love all man but not not any too much hmm? this is the equanimity and to see equally and so forth <laughs> it's not easy to do. Hmm? We should try to help one another and uh, come to this standard as the idea. Then we will really uh, know what this Bhagavatam is about. Now, this is all coming here, right, in this section, in kind of a build-up to the a, a brief glorification of the book avatar, Srimad Bhagavatam, as I said the other night. Hmm? So what are we getting? It's so nice the way it's done. We're getting, just as we start to step into, you know, the, the book Bhagavatam, he's going to glorify it, and, and we're in the midst of it now, and, uh, and uh, this is what it's all about, the life of the personality of God, his romantic life, for that matter, his most esoteric, you know, introspective moments, and, all, and we can talk about these things, but to go there is another, is another thing and really understand it. So as he takes us into that book and what it's about, the Bhagavatam, he gives us a kind of a, a little bit synopsis of the Bhagavad Gita here. Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada used to refer to as the civilization of the intelligence. The, the Bhagavatam as the civilization of the soul. In other words, sp- spiritually guided intelligence for spiritual practice, bringing us to nishta, hmm? experiential spiritual life, steadiness and consistent practice that's like the like like Raghunath Das Goswami's practice was described, like lines on a stone. You don't erase lines on a stone. Hmm? They're there. It's, in, it's, it's written in stone, something like that was the idea. His practice was like that. Hmm? These are the nice things, for example, in Chaitanya Church. One of the nice things talked about Raghunath Goswami, I mean, we can talk about he was preoccupied with Manjari Bhav and he entered Leela and so forth. And you know, that's really all going to be useful to you as much as your own practice is like written in stone. Hmm? This is the hub around which my my life moves. I do my practice. Hmm? And I do it attentively. Hmm? That's given by my guru and so forth. So, uh, again, he kind of like gives us a little bit of a synopsis of the essence of of the philosophy of the Gita, of yoga philosophy, about equanimity, about um, um, uh, shanta, hmm, and self-realization, and so forth, too. Now, 
this is spiritually gui guided intellect. It's not just the civilization of intellect gone wild. Hmm? No, that's the modern civilization. Intellect gone wild and now running on empty. You know, in, in terms of, it's just masturbated itself out of, out of you know, out of semen here. And there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing left. There's no new. There's no new ideas to come. There's no new 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 child idea children worth worth listening to. That's my estimation. And and uh, other thoughtful, more educated people than me have also reached the same conclusion. Uh, when we're when we're exercising our intellect in such a way as to do away with our very self, we're running on empty. Better to go back, as I said the other night, to the to the father of Western philosophy, to Plato, where it all began, where it's where who isn't that far far west? He's a lot closer east, not in but geography and thinking also. He posited his world of forms, the real world. He said there were mathematical truths and principles that existed in the in a, in a, in a non-physical world. It was the tangible reality of forms of which this world is just a reflection. This is what Bhagavatam is talking about. Plato had a good mind, and a good stu good teacher in Socrates, and and I maintain that 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 the Greeks had a contact with India, and I, and there's evidence for that as well. Hmm? Um, so, not when we say civilization of the intellect, we don't mean intellect going wild, but a civilized intellect, a civilization of the intellect, an intellect that is tamed and uh, harnessed for making one civil. Hmm? How's that? Civilization. To civilizing one, making one, and, and is this not a civilized man? Hmm? That's been described here by Mr. Kipling. This is a civilized man, a dignified man. Hmm? Bring dignity to the to the to the, to the idea of humanity. How much he will be distinguished then from animality, which is the potential that we find in human human birth. This is not an animal being described here. This is something divine. Hmm? He's not answering to the call of the wild. Hmm? He's harnessed the intellect, and the mind, and the senses. Hmm? Civilization means that, that intellect means. We've got the intellect harnessed and it's being used now to fuel my spiritual practice, to understand the theory of myself, which is given in the Gita, and try to put it in practice. And to the extent that we do that, the Gita concludes, Sarvadharman pratyacca mamikam saranam braja. So become a sharanagata, completely dependent upon me, and what? You will come to me. And, and Bhagavatam is all about what that's like coming to him. This is what Bhagavatam ultimately showcases, the life in the Leela. So as he goes now to glorify the Bhagavatam, he'll say some nice things about that and answer one of the other sages other questions in the sixth chapter. As he's doing that, just before that he prefaces it with kind of like a mini, you know, Bhagavad Gita emphasis. Transcend the subtle and gross bodies. Know thyself hmm, to be of the nature of Brahman. Hmm. Now you're fit to enter the pages, really, of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm. So this, it should be clear. Make no doubt about it. Is that what he used to say? Have no, that's a Bushian kind of, make, have no doubt about it. This is what we're doing here. Hmm. We're not just filling our heads with a bunch of 
information and having a social party in the in the woods. Hmm? So, <laughs> so uh, we can do it in different, also in different. Um, uh, how you want to say from from different uh, um, vantage points here? We can be the lay monks, or we can be the monk monks. And if we need, uh, we we do what we need within reason that fits within the parameters of a kind of a extended monastic life determined by Swami here, and then go forward with all of our energy and become divine ourselves. This is the idea. So, any question? Yes. Uh, how come the, uh, the sages of Namishwari were asking about uh, Krishna's avatar? Because they were there for making a like, mundane sacrifice. So like, Do they have, like, um, like, did they know about Krishna and that Krishna is the same? Everybody knows about Krishna. Hmm. Krish- that's why Krishna's uh, all famous. <laughs> It's one of his last bars. Everybody knows something about Krishna in, in the culture. And um, we like to think that, as I've said in my discourses on this, um, these sections of the Bhagavatam, that by the, the strength of the presence of Sutta Goswami, who was a great devotee, who had heard Bhagavatam from Sukadeva, which is repeatedly mentioned in the text, um, that they... they their interest was elevated from a gathering for um, material pursuits, heaven, swargam, to a gathering for glorifying he who is swarga, swargiyate, who is glorified in heaven. Hmm? That means Vishnu, Krishna. So we'll think that... Here, I'll give you an example how to explain this. It is said that... An Uttam Bhakta is one who, upon seeing him, one begins, one's tongue begins to chant Hare Krishna, chant the name. That's a pretty high standard. It happened with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Whenever he saw, they began chanting. My Guru Maharaj, without even seeing him, hundreds of people began chanting. Whole temples were built with hundreds of devotees in places he never even went, chanting and dancing. This is the Mahabhagavatam. So Sukadeva Goswami, by his very presence, by his very glance, this is another characteristic of my Guru Maharaj, the most predominant physical characteristic, if you will, of his sadhaka deha was his eyes, his glance. If he would look at you, it would, like, he was looking to you. When he first looked at me, and the first time I saw him, he looked right at me, right into my soul, and said, where have you been? I've been looking for you. I've come to collect you up. You're my old friend. And it was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a powerful magnetic kind of uh, glance of benediction. In his Gita commentary, Baladev speaks about this this quality of, of of capacity to give grace. And he mentions the glancing. As one, a, a great devotee may have that kind of power. So... Um, these are examples I bring out to illustrate the idea that Sukadeva Goswami, just by his presence, Sutta Goswami, just by his presence, could elevate the conversation, the level of interest. And sure, everyone's heard of Krishna, but suddenly they become interested. Well, tell us about Krishna. Hmm? Krishna, Krishna. 
You know, he's embodying Krishna consciousness. So in his presence, that becomes the topic automatically. That help? Satisfied. All right. Madhavan ki jai, Dauji Gupal ki jai, Sri Audarya ki jai, Sri Sri Gornitananda ki jai, Sri Saragraki ki jai. What are the names of the deities there? Radhanila Madhava ki jai, Govi Premanande, Haribo.